Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Jessica Harris, who is an attorney, fashion model, human rights advocate, and content creator based in Los Angeles, California. With her unique perspective on life, Jessica's social media platform and vision grew out of mentoring young women in their educational and career aspirations. Jessica strives to create genuine content with a greater purpose and a focus on social good. And for this reason, she recently announced the launch of a new nonprofit called Cause Together, which will provide free media and marketing resources for nonprofits. Jessica holds a JD from Columbia Law School and a dual BA in international relations and communications from the University of Southern California. She lives in Los Angeles with her two-year-old son and loves to dance, travel, and has lived in six different countries. And I had a tremendous time talking with Jessica. We span the globe on so many different topics, and I'm excited for you all to listen in and hopefully gain some great perspective from Jessica and her journey. So without further ado, please welcome in Jessica Harris. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. You're... And you may blush when you hear this, but you might be one of the more diverse backgrounds I've had on this podcast. I mean, being an attorney and a fashion model and just a content creator, and you're doing this, <laughs> starting this business for these nonprofits. I mean, it's so really cool. Um, and I thought we could start, if I can, because on your website, I was doing a little research, fact check me, but it's on your website. I'm sure it's good. Your life mantra is breaking out of boxes and leaving your labels behind. And I wanted to start a little bit there because if I read correctly, it, you've kind of had this struggle of your life, kind of fitting in, you know, trying to getting outside maybe some society norms you're putting or whatever it was growing up. Can we start there maybe? And let's start in the early years and then kind of build from there. Yes, I would love to start there. And I love that you did your homework. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, at the core of who I am, you know, I'm a mixed race woman. And that really dictated a lot of my paradigms throughout life. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white area and my family was different in all senses of the word. So I wasn't completely black. I wasn't completely white. Um, we were different politically, um, religiously, we were very different. I was a vegetarian at the time. People didn't even know what that was in the eighties and nineties. So I never fit into the norm. I never fit into a box, but people were always asking me which box or boxes did I fit into? Um, and finally, at a certain point, I just decided, you know what? I, I'm not in a box. That's where I exist is outside the box. And that informed everything else I did in my life, especially in my career. Um, I'm a multi-hyphenate because I just never chose a box. I decided I'm interested in all of these things and I'm going to pursue all of them simultaneously, whether or not they necessarily work together. And that's been 
a joy. When did you discover that? And, and maybe even more importantly, how did you discover that? Because I'm thinking back to myself, like, <laughs> as like an idiot high school, you know, whatever, clowned around, like, I wasn't thinking at all. I mean, it's taken me really the last seven or eight years before I've had this, this whole renaissance period, kind of, as I call it. Um, which is funny because I think you you call your your as the as the Renaissance uh, woman, if I recall, or something on your site. So it's kind of funny I actually picked that up, but um, like I didn't really think about it at all. Like growing up, did mm-hmm. you have those epiphanies early on, or do you have mentors that guided you? How, how did you discover that? Um, both. Uh, I think naturally it naturally came from just life experience, but also my parents talked to me a lot about these issues growing up, I'm, I'm so grateful that my parents were really open and honest and proactive with me and talking about fitting in and the different challenges I might face. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in an effort to find a place to fit in and find a community, I literally just jumped into everything. I was on the basketball team. I was on the cheerleading team. I did theater and, you know, student body and Girl Scouts. And I was just really involved in everything because I was trying to find a place to exist for me. Mm. Um, But in doing so, I realized, oh, wow, you can kind of do everything. Um, And once I graduated from college and, you know, started the journey of being a real world (laughs) career career person, um, of course, I had a lot of different mentors um, I've always had mentors and I always make an effort to be a mentor. Um, I just think that's really critical for everyone. I think everybody should, should have mentors and mentees. Was there anyone in particular you'd kind of mention? you mentioned by name or not, but like maybe what they said to you or how they guided you that was maybe so valuable. Um, gosh, that is such a tough one. Um, because there's so many and so many like excellent nuggets. I'm going to have to go with my dad. I think he's been my most important mentor. He just, um, you know, he always taught me wherever you go, there you are. And um, that's really true. You know, there's no running from your problems. There's no seeking answers outside of yourself or in other people or in other communities or in other activities. It was really about um, finding belonging and acceptance within myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful. Because, you know, we, I don't know what it is. And I, I did this for a long time. You're so worried about what other people want and what That's they think and, and how they think your life should go. And you almost don't put that, you know, back on yourself. You know, you yeah. don't start, you don't have that self-awareness of like, wait a minute, hold on a second. What do I want? You know? Um, so that's really important, obviously, to, to learn that lesson earlier on than most, yeah. I mean, some never get to it, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel really blessed. Like that's the silver lining that came out of all of this. It was tough. It was a tough lesson to learn, yeah. but I'm so glad I did because there's so much freedom in that, right? Oh, um, 100%. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, as we go down that path, I guess a little bit, I mean, it's when we start to kind of pull back the layers and really be vulnerable with ourselves, you know, I'm talking about like looking in the accountability mirror, just, you know, myself or yourself just sitting alone if we could be true to ourselves, I'm like, okay, where are our biggest insecurities? Where are our biggest challenges? And if we could, I guess, face those head on, you know, you have a great opportunity to overcome Um, versus I think, and I know I've done this. I did a lot was kind of, you get complacent because you're kind of just like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rattle the cage. I'm not going to, you know, 
as Steve Jobs used to say, bang in the walls, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to kind of go down this path. Even if it makes me a little unhappy, I'm okay because I'm more comfortable. And that's not a good way to live. That's not a good way to live at all, you know? Yes. But I mean, it's biological. It's natural. We all seek comfort and that's why we create boxes because anything outside of that box causes cognitive dissonance, right? So my very existence causes cognitive dissonance. And I just, by being me, I rattle the cage. So um, I think it's been really positive for me, but also, like you said, talking to people and befriending people and joining these communities and rattling the cage is oftentimes a really transformative experience. Um, I think it's been really positive because when you are courageous enough to step outside of comfort, but then you succeed in stepping outside of that and you see how it expands your life, Mm -hmm. it's thrilling. Uh, And there's really almost like no going back. You know, talk to anybody that's moved away from their small hometown or made a big move. It's, um, you know, it's usually the pivotal event in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, one of the great quotes, I live by a lot of quotes is, you know, everything we want is on the other side of fear. Yes, I love that quote. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, you, you yes. just got to take that leap. Um, I, you know, Brene Brown has a, had a great quote. She said was, uh, I don't leap for the perfect landing. I leap for the feeling in the air. And I think if most folks took that approach and that, and when I heard that many years ago, I said, wow, that's, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, we try to plot out this like perfect, you know, like, well, if I do this, then maybe this happens. Instead of just saying like, to your point, hey, I want to try a lot of stuff. Let's see what happens. This is something cool to me now. Now, maybe you don't do it down the road, but you at least tried it. You at least took the, you know, the at bat, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that quote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. <laughs> she's very, she's very smart. I love listening to her stuff and reading her stuff. Um, well, how did you get to, so obviously you, did you have confidence then? Cause you mentioned about not fitting in and, you know, kind of with, with the, the, the background you had and stuff, like, were you a confident person? I, I have to imagine to, obviously to, to go to USC and then Columbia and then do these things like you had to believe in yourself a little, or am I wrong there? Um, yeah, I think that I, I have a lot of confidence. Um, I also have, you know, I battle with my own insecurities just like everyone. Um, I just befriended my insecurities, mm. you know, and we, we sit down and we have lunch and we talk it out. <laughs> do you do anything to like, do you like, journal do you like like how do you how do you I guess keep those front of mind but I I like to the joke what you ever watched beautiful mind remember that movie with the Russell Crowe do you remember that yes Um, oh my gosh yes but like I always I use that as the analogy of like the people are there like he has those those figments of his imagination and eventually near the end of the movie spoiler alert for those that haven't listened to it it's been out (laughs) 15 years but is the uh is like they're there but he can tame them now, but he knows they're there. They're, they're suppressed. He's done the work to at least understand. I don't know. That's a, it's a weird analogy I use to think about insecurities and how to, they're never going away, but how do we yeah. tame them? Is there anything you do specifically to help with that? Or There are a lot of things that I do. I mean, I think the more uh, mainstream things are, you know, journaling and meditation. Um, I'm also a big advocate for, just really being proactive about your mental health. I see a therapist on a regular basis. Um, and I guess my weird way of battling or overcoming fears and insecurities is anything that frightens me, kind of like the quote that you just mentioned, I actually move towards it as quickly as possible. Mm. Whatever frightens me, because to me, 
the monster that you can't see is actually what's frightening. Once you see the monster, you know what you're working with. And it's not, it's never as bad as what you think it is in your mind, right? Um, so like even doing a podcast and doing TV segments, that actually terrifies me. Like I'm sweating through my shirt right now. <laughs> but it's something I've always been really compelled to do. And um, I'm following my heart and I'm going towards it. Yeah. How do you get it? So you say, hey, well, I go toward the fear, like showing up for this. Is there anything you do to prep then to make yourself where you feel less, you know, maybe less anxiety or do you just kind of say, screw it, I'm just happy? Like, is there any things you've learned maybe that help? I don't know. Oh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a true nerd. So I research things to death. Okay. Um, I practice them to death. <laughs> I will call 500 people and talk it through 6 million times before I actually do it. Um. And once I, so that once I make a decision, I feel like I'm standing on really solid foundation. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people just wing things and I admire those people that jump first types. I'm, I'm not one of those. I actually, there's a lot going on behind the scenes before uh, I venture out and do something scary. That's fair. I mean, Hey, you got to know yourself though. That's part of the, yeah. that's part of the journey, the process. I must've listened to at least like 10 of your podcast episodes before coming on. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's you know, well, and, and again, what's nice about and, and you know, similar to your point, I mean, each each episode, like there's always nerves going into every episode, even talking with you, because it's always and I and I think you know, I take out a golf background and, you know, Jack Nicholas, you, you do know who Jack Nicholas is one of the greatest golfers of all time. He used to say there's a difference between being nervous and scared and nervous and prepared. And I always remember that, like, you know, it's okay to be nervous. It means I want to be here. It means I want to have the conversation, right? I'm intrigued. I'm excited, whatever. But it's okay to be nervous on like, hey, where's the conversation going to go? What are we going to chat about? Well, what if we go down there? You know, I think that's good to have, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a difference there where it's it's okay. We should be, if I wasn't nervous coming in, I'd be like, ah, oh, what a waste of time. You know, like, that's what it would be like. <laughs> you ever have those, you got to go to like a coffee meeting and you're like, ah, oh, you know, you know, those like, but, or, or meeting at work or something like that. So I think the, the point is, it's as long as you're, to your point, you're falling into it and you're like, hey, this is something, yes, I'm fearful or I'm nervous or whatever, but like, hey, I'm going toward it and I'm having that opportunity to hope, hopefully, you know, help me learn in the future. Um, yes. as I, Even I'm if sure, that learning is falling on my face. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're doing episode, you know, 100 on your podcast, you know, or, or TV appearance, you may look back and say, hey, you know what, that chat with Brian, that helped me get that incrementally less nervous or less scared or less whatever. Um, so it's all part of that process. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> How did, um, I want to ask a couple of questions just around kind of the journey of, did, like, when you were going to USC, <laughs> were you thinking about like, was the path to be like, hey, I'm going to ride off in the sunset as an attorney, as a lawyer? Like, was that the goal when you were there? Or were you thinking like, hey, I'm going to go here because I want to transition to this? Like, what was the thought process when you were um, at university? Um, that's a great question, because USC is actually probably the most formative experience of my life. That's where my thinking really changed in a lot of ways. I did go into college thinking, I mean, I wanted to be a Supreme Court justice, you know, on my first day of freshman year, like that was what I thought I was going to do with my life. Um, and luckily, USC 
I'm so proud of being a part of that community. I will bleed red and gold, cardinal gold till the day I die. Um, They really encourage diversity of thought um, and learning how to critically think for yourself. So while I was there, I sort of developed this new, you know, like this whole like breaking out of boxes mantra Um, because I noticed that you can bang on certain doors and they're not going to open for you. But these other doors in the background or in the peripheral might be opening wide and screaming for you. Um, So that, you know, the saying, if when one door closes, another door opens, but I find like some doors are just, they're not closed. It's just, you have to go through other doors to get there. Um, So I started walking through these other doors of opportunity that weren't necessarily what I was initially interested in. And it started this whole, you know, circuitous journey of, opening my mind to other possibilities. Hmm. Um, I know that's really abstract and kind of... Can you give me an example? (laughs) Cerebral. Give me an example Um, of what you're thinking. Like, I should have thought about this ahead of time before I said that because there's just so many things. Um, Okay, there was a program that I really wanted to get into because it was on the path to be, um, to get an internship with the United Nations. Hmm. Uh, It was a really competitive program and I didn't get in. And it was so frustrating because I had done all of the things that I thought I needed to do and lockstep and had performed well. Um, Meanwhile, I'm doing other things. So I was a resident advisor and and I was taking some courses that I wasn't particularly interested in because they weren't on the directed path, but I had to take them because they were available. Um, So as a resident advisor, I was on the international floor and more than half of my residents were from Hong Kong, interestingly. And I became really close to them and I started learning a lot about their lives and their culture. And one of the classes that I had ended up in was also about um, Pacific and East Asian studies. So a different program asked me to apply and they want, it was the Freeman Fellowship Program. They asked me to go spend a semester in somewhere in Southeast Asia and, and do an internship there. And I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. You know, like these sort of these other things in my life are all coming together. Like I'm studying a lot about this part of the world and I have connection there now. So I did that program instead. And it was just like, I could, I could speak for an hour about the significance of that experience Mm. um, and how, critical that was for me in so many ways for the rest of my life. Um, And then a few years later, because of that program, I ended up doing an internship with a sister body to the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. So that's just kind of like one career example of how that door was closed at the moment, but I needed to take some other steps in order to get to an even better place that was more meaningful at the end. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, but it's also about, you know, taking that opportunity. Maybe it didn't look like an opportunity right away. Yeah. But, you know, that was the, that was the path you were going to go on. And the other one that wasn't available anymore. So you could mope about it. We could sit here and, you know, you could have just said, screw it. I'm just leaving college. You know, you could make some (laughs) extreme example, but you decide, hey, let me try this other path. And all of a sudden that, you know, the dominoes fell in that direction, you know. So did you learn anything, I guess, fun from that? 
you know, more just random, I guess, from that journey going to Hong Kong and, and doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I worked and um, all of my residents that I w- had become friends with, you know, they, they go home for the summer. So they were all there. Mm. So I got to experience a really authentic um, side of Hong Kong that I don't think you would otherwise have if you were just a tourist or an expat. And I actually, random story... <laughs> Um, so I'm also a, a dancer and I was at a nightclub with my friends just dancing and one of their friends approached me and said, Hey, you know, I'm a musician here in Hong Kong and I'd actually like to hire you to be a dancer for one of my upcoming concerts in Hong Kong. The Cantonese have their own Hollywood and it's, it's very, it's like, it's a big deal out there. It's, it's very small and it's very hardcore. And I didn't know that the man asking me to dance for him was like one of their, it would be the equivalent of like our Justin Bieber. Mm. Um, so I said, yeah, sure. You know, I said, just come to a couple practices and here's my, you know, CD and figure out the music. I'm like, okay, great. So little did I know I would be performing in front of like, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people were at this, at this concert. And like, I was, we were in the newspaper because they were like, who is this American girl dancing on stage with you? And what is going on? And they asked me to go on tour with them for the rest of the year, like oh. throughout Southeast Asia and Australia and New Zealand. And wow. I was like, no, I think I'm just going to go back to college. <laughs> oh, you passed. I passed, but it was a really cool experience. I passed because like I said, I'm a nerd at heart. I was like, no, you know, I'm going to be the next Kofi Annan. <laughs> hey, you know, that's, we never know, but Hey, what's the, that's, that's what ha- ha- happened. And we're here now. So <laughs> how did you get into, uh, to modeling how did that come about that opportunity um you know from the time I was like I guess a little kid parents or people would approach my mom say oh your little girl's so pretty you need to put her in pageants or you know modeling and my mom is actually a diehard like OG feminist Mm. so she nixed that real fast she was like nope (laughs) my daughter is not going to do anything you know that you know, is subjectively sort of what she considers like superficial or, you know, not using my brain. Um, But over the years, just more and more people would approach me. And then when I became a teenager, scouts started um, talking to me and saying, hey, you know, like this is actually a career path and there's money in this and she can use the money to go to school and to go to college. And that got my mom's attention. Um, So I started auditioning. I would we lived in a suburb north of Los Angeles. So we would drive, I would commute like an hour or more into LA and go on auditions and photo shoots. And, um, uh, it's a very interesting business. It always has been. And it's evolved a lot over the course of my life. Um, it it has always been kind of the wild west and it still is. Mm -hmm. So did you feel, and I'm trying to take this from like, you know, cause again, we're talking about kind of being outside that box, right? Not mm-hmm. being in the society norms, but when people would find out, wait a minute, you're in law school and you're modeling or you're like, was there kind of this, like, mm-hmm. what the heck is going on? Like, did you get a lot of those comments, looks, thoughts? I'm, I'm just curious what the outside perspective was kind of having this diversity, uh, which you enjoy what you want to do. Um, Luckily, when I started uh, law, social media was brand new. We had Facebook, um, but we didn't have Instagram. 
Um, so I actually, for a long time, I hid my sort of dual life in law school. Um, you know, I was in New York, I went to law school in New York city. So I was hitting the books. I was studying really hard. And on the weekends I I was working as a model. And I, I actually didn't share that with anybody. Mm -hmm. Only a few people knew. Um, and also at the law firm, I, I didn't tell anyone right away because, uh, the legal profession is still largely a conservative corporate environment, very Mm -hmm. traditional, but more importantly, um, because it is so traditional and conservative, it's still kind of the good old boys club. Um, and I felt it was really important to present a very professional face. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and I, I still do in that environment so that you're taken more seriously so that you're not, you know, questioned as to why you're there. Um, and also as a minority, you have other um preconceived notions that you have to overcome. Like I had people telling me, oh, you just got into this Ivy League school to check a box for affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's how you got to this firm. It's like, wow, that completely belittles and discounts how hard I've worked my whole life and my and the fact that maybe I actually got here on my own merits. Yeah. Um, so that being said, in that context, I didn't want to do anything that was going to... Um, give any merit whatsoever to any of those arguments or stereotypes. Yeah. Um, but once I did start opening up about my other life, it was really empowering and it was confusing and I did get a lot of pushback and I still do, you know, that's, that's when I started hearing, well, why are you doing this? And you have to choose and when are you going to grow up? And, you know, well, what are you a stripper? Like <laughs> just almost, yeah random things. And I would say, well, actually the definition of a model is that I model clothing, meaning I put clothing on. Yeah. I'm not taking it off. Yeah. Some people didn't understand that. Um, but yeah, that was when I just really started to own all of my different, um, my different careers, my different sides and just say, you know what, you can think what you want, but this is what I'm doing and this fulfills me and I'm, and I'm performing well. Like, I think that's the most important thing is it fulfills you. You said it right there, you know, kind of, we can underscore that like that. That's what you want to do. There's so much, it's just the judgment is just hilarious to me. Um, Cause I was probably like that. I bet, I bet years ago I probably was, you know, I, I probably was and I used to complain like, Oh, they got this because whatever. And you know, you kind of make those, those comments, but like the reality of it is, you're doing what you want to do because it makes you happy. Who cares? I don't know why we care so much about what other people do. You know, like it's just, I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't be funny to me, but is it? Well, I think it gets back to what we were talking about. Well, I, I, again, I I think it's, it's like the primal animal brain. It has to do with um, how you process the world. Uh, the animal brain, like we have to put things in categories so that we understand them. The most basic being like, is this a threat or is this not a threat? Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> am I going to die if I eat this fruit or not? Like, is this, is this animal safe or is this animal not? And so I think that's why our brains naturally need, have a need to put things into boxes and to categorize them in order to understand the world. Yeah. Um, but as we've evolved, we don't really need to do that so much anymore. And I think it's a really exciting time to live in because I think more and more people are realizing that and evolving out of that, yeah. out of the animal brain. 
Well, yeah, it is encouraging because I even remember, you know, I've been doing this podcast for three and a half years now. And I still remember, it's actually not that long ago. I, I, I've had people make comments, you know, like your podcast, like if they just heard I've done it. And definitely early on, I was like, wait, you're podcasting? Because I was, you know, I was in software sales and, you know, I used to be in the golf you know, business. So I was like, wait a minute, what did, this doesn't seem like, to your point, kind of the, all these different things. It doesn't seem like kind of what Brian should be doing. But that's why I always like question, like, why does it matter? Like, who cares? You know, um, go enjoy your life. Go do something you want to do. Don't question so much what other people are doing. And I, and I think that goes back almost to stuff earlier on is we try to almost fit into what other people in our lives have sculpted for us, right? I think that's why childhood, like, this t- took me a long time to overcome. Probably still am, like, the childhood um, self-limiting beliefs that I had. You know, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, you, you you couldn't get to the next level because you had those as a layer. Once you break through those, it's like, holy crap, the sky's the limit here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyways, I'm, for ran- you. I'm ranting, I'm <laughs> ranting on here. Um, I, I just, I'm impressed by that just because the fact of like, you recognized it, you realized, hey, there's some challenges here that I'm going to have to face eventually as people realize I'm doing all these things, but that you push through it and you're being your authentic self, which is awesome. Um, what is this? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this cause together. Cause I, yes. I talk with a lot of folks that are, that run NPOs and obviously they're trying to make a difference in the world. So tell me a little bit about this endeavor. And again, this is another one of your, of the Swiss army knife here. Another, yes, another, uh, part <laughs> we've got to get our elevator pitch down. Um, cause it's sort of hard to explain. Okay. Uh, in essence, my friend Rhiannon and I started cause together because we have both worked in the nonprofit sector And there are so many nonprofits that are doing incredible things. Uh, They don't have a budget for social media marketing, Mm. which is the new marketing and really critical for your business. Um, So we just decided, you know what, like, let's, let's just do this work pro bono. Let's bring together influencers and content creators and everyone and anyone in the new social media marketing industry and provide some of these nonprofits with free marketing, free resources, teach them, train them, help them get connected um, because we just wanted to. Like there's no profit model to this. Um, it's something that we were, we were kind of doing anyway. We have our own private clients right now that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And we built a platform that we launched a little bit early uh, before fundraising for it. So the platform yeah. isn't completely finished or built out yet. <laughs> Um, that's a business lesson that I'm currently learning. It's like, oh, there's an order in which you have to do things. Okay. <laughs> we didn't do it that way. Um, so it's a work in progress, but we've got a lot of traction already. And um, it's a, just a passion project that we're really excited about. Mm. Was there something that sparked like the idea? Yes. What, what, was the, <laughs> what was the inception point? Um, in kind of a roundabout way, I don't know if you've heard of influencers in the wild. No. Um, you don't want to end up on Influencers in the Wild. <laughs> okay. It is an Instagram page. I don't know if they have other platforms now, but basically calling out really embarrassing um, things that influencers do when they're caught out in public. Um, but during the protests last summer when um, George Floyd died, there was this video that went viral on Influencers in the Wild. It was a young woman dressed in like a high fashion couture gown in the standing in the street in the middle of the protest holding up a sign that said black lives matter 
but she was doing a photo shoot and it and didn't have it was just so tone deaf mm. it didn't have anything to do with what was going on and it was clearly just a vanity project um and it, and it was it was horrific it was embarrassing um so Rhiannon and I over the last few years like we've we've seen some more extreme examples of these things happen but also um on a smaller scale you know we are like our friends are in the industry and a lot of times people don't know how to talk about these really um important social issues in in a way where they feel confident and they feel like they're knowledgeable and informed um so that's that's really where the conversation got started like hey you know there's an opportunity here for us to educate um everyone really but especially content creators on how to work with causes that they care about how to work with nonprofits how to work with um NGOs and organizations and also be able to talk about them in a meaningful way where they feel comfortable and they're informing their audiences and the added benefit is that we're you know, also helping the nonprofits that really need this visibility. And do the nonprofits reach out to you then to say, hey, can we get paired with someone? Or how, how does yeah. that, how, what, what do you foresee it working like? Right now we have um, an internal database of nonprofits that we've just reached out to or that came to us through referrals. Mm-hmm. And, and then we also have a roster of content creators that we work with. So right now we're just pairing them um, privately and individually and the platform that we build will be more of a of an accessible database that anybody can go to. So Rhiannon and I will be vetting the nonprofits and we'll explain our um, our our metrics for you know reviewing the nonprofit and what they do and what the end game is. If is the money going where it, where they say it's going, mm-hmm. um, and also with the influencers. So we're, we're just, that's the database that's in the works. We haven't quite figured out how we're going to um, pair it as an end user, yeah. but uh, that's the general idea. Interesting. Like and I said, we got to work on our elevator pitch, pitch but. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's part of the journey though. I mean, you're kind of figuring yeah. it out. And so what stage would you, are, are you like getting investment or is this like you're doing a bootstrapping style? Like how, how are you launching this thing? What, what's the. Um, so the, the, the platform is built on the front end, the back end, we need to build out. We have like, we're all set up and ready to go, but yes, we are looking for investors. We're trying to fundraise. I've been applying for grants. Um, so that, that's a new thing that I'm learning how to do. <laughs> one of, one of many that you uh, got going one of many on the fly. <laughs> Did I see that you're writing a memoir as well? Is it, is this correct? Yeah, that's my new thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask. So if you decide to write. What's the, what, what is this about your life? What's, what's it about? What's the, I guess that's what a memoir is. I guess. Um, so I this is by far and away the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, yes, I am writing a memoir, but it's not about my whole life. It's uh, specifically like the central theme is about uh, just being a mixed race woman and how that plays into romantic relationships. Mm. So it is not going to make people feel very comfortable. Mm. Uh, but it's, you know, it's true and it's my life. So we'll see, we'll see where that goes, but I'm, I'm already in the drafting stages and I'm pretty far through it. So, um, how are you writing it? What's the, are you going chapter by chapter? Are you kind of like doing like word bubbles and outline? Like what's your structure? What's your, (laughs) how are you getting through it? Um, 
I'm just, I, I just wrote an outline and I've got chapters established and each chapter is a different story. So mm, I guess okay. I'm just following. Like I, I didn't take any courses on how to write a book. I probably should, you know, watch a few videos. I, I'm just going at it like journal style. No, I mean, um, you got to go, there's, um, do I have it around here? I wonder if it's, if I, oh, I actually have it over here. Um, Cause I'm, you know, I'm, actually my first children's book just came out, but um, this book I used to where I'm writing so it's called published. Ooh. So I'll give Chandler Bolt a, a, a shout out here. Um, but yeah, it's about self-publishing, but it kind of goes through the writing process and I, you're probably doing some of it right with outlining okay. and whatever, but um, he, he's got a really good process in there of actually kind of structuring out the book and, and putting it together. So it might be one to pick up if you're kind Ooh. of looking for. Yeah. Okay. It's already in my Amazon cart. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> um, are you self-publishing? Or are you looking for a publisher or not sure? Yet? Uh, I'm 90% certain I'm going to self-publish. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Just you so that, that I have get that control. Yeah. yeah. Especially with something so sensitive and intimate, I need, I need creative control over what's said and how it's presented. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. There's like, do you have like a, do you have a line in the sand of when this thing is when you're like done with the rough draft or what do, what do you, what kind of timeline are you putting on yourself? Um, six months to a year. Okay. And I already have a title that I'm settled on and nobody is going to convince me to call it anything different, no matter how the book evolves. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to share that right now. You don't have to share it if you want to keep that to yourself. Um, this is really, you know, so I have to ask you all of this. Um, you're also, a mother to a young child. Oh well. yes. <laughs> so you do all of, and I, and I know this, I, so I'm a, you know, it's a single dad. Like, I mean, obviously a lot of stuff, a lot of balls in the air and it's kind of juggling that. So just talk me through how you, how you do that. So like time management, like being able to organize the day, like, you know, making sure you spend, you know, the, the time you can with your son, just kind of curious of how you structure that. Yeah. Uh, structure is the key word. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's amazing before you become a parent, like I was a very productive person, but you know, after you become a parent, you look back on your life and you go, how did I waste all of that time? I love being a mom because it just makes you so necessarily efficient. Mm -hmm. Like what I can do in an hour is 10 times more than what I could do in an hour before. Um, so I also live with my parents. That's really key. Hmm, okay. um, my parents are elderly. So it's not like a lot of people seem like, oh, you have built-in child here. I'm like, no, I don't. Like I'm still 100% responsible for my son. Um, but they provide a lot of emotional support. Um, they do help with some things in, in, in terms of time management. Um, luckily, Ukiah is in preschool now. So that helps. But yeah, I mean, I wake up early in the morning, I get my meditation done. Um, then he and I, like, we read a book and we have quality time together. We wake up together and we do breakfast. And he always wants to run outside and play with his construction zone. He has every earth mover truck ever known to man outside. That is what he's obsessed with. So we do trucks and playtime. Um, and when I'm with him, I am off my phone. My phone isn't even in the same room. It's upstairs because I'm 100% present with him when that's my time with him. And that's really important to me. And that's intentional. Yeah. Um, and then when he goes to preschool, I work. I work fast and I work furious. 
and um, every day is different, which makes it exciting and fun. And then uh, he comes home, we cook dinner. That's my time with him. And then after he goes to bed, I go back to work. And that's pretty much my life right now. (laughs) Well, you got a lot going on. Well, you you know, you mentioned something which kind of got me thinking. I mean, it's really prioritization, you know, because when we are younger, we don't have as much responsibility. We kind of just... Yeah, we're kind of ebbing and flowing, just kind of letting life happen. But when we start to yeah. really prioritize, like, okay, here are the top things important, all the rest of the crap just gets stripped out. And that's where yeah. that time was being wasted, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting how that works. And that just comes, I think, more perspective. Um, and plus, you can get, have you ever heard of the um, uh, Parkinson's law? Do you know what no. that is? It's basically like work expands to uh, fill the time necessary for its completion. Um, or time expense, it's one of the, it's, I always mess those up, but basically like, if you say, Hey, I need two months to get this project done. Well, it'll take you two months. But if you say, Hey, it takes me 20 days. I have, or 10, you'll get it done that time. You find a way and it may not be perfect, but when is perfect ever, you know, needed? Um, so anyways, it's kind of interesting how (laughs) just we evolve over time and we start figuring out like what's necessary, what's not, and where to spend our time or not. It's, it's such an evolving process, you know? Yeah. So what, uh, anything else you want to share anything else you're excited about? You got a lot going on. Um, anything else that you'd like to, uh, to mention or talk about? Um, I mean, there's a million things I could talk about. (laughs) I always have too much going on, but that's, you know, that's what I thrive on. What if you had to go back to your um if you had to go back to your younger self? So let's go back to that kind of teenage or maybe younger, right? As you're kind of learning, your dad's giving you all this insight, you're trying to evolve yourself. If you could go back to that time to the young Jessica and say, hey, here's a piece of advice, an insight, a quote, something to really be impactful that they could take and grab a hold of for their journey going forward, what would you share with them? Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, it almost sounds cliche, but it's really just trust your instinct. Don't let anybody second guess you or tell you to second guess yourself. Um, because your instinct and your gut and your heart is everything. Um, I feel like any, I mean, I don't have regrets in life, but a lot of the challenges that I faced were because someone or something convinced me to go against my gut. And in retrospect, it was like, no, I knew this is what it was. And this, I knew this is what I should do. And I didn't follow that. Why do you think we do that? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I wish I knew. I, well, because I think about the same thing. I wonder, like, the decisions I made. I try to go with my gut, and the ones I don't, I'm like, why did I? Like, because you look back, you're like, well, that was dumb. Why did you go that route? You never go that route. You always go with your gut. But the ones I don't, I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know. And and the, the funny thing is, like, if you are paying attention, life is, like, yelling at you along the way. Yeah. Sometimes it's whispering, but a lot of times it's yelling and screaming at you, like, don't do this. There's a challenge, there's a roadblock. I'm throwing up this roadblock because I need you to go in a different direction, you know, or I need you to stop and think. Um, so as I've gotten older and I, uh, you know, I, I'm a deeply spiritual person, um, I am learning to pay attention more to Dharma and 
signs and listen to angels and just really pay attention to what the universe and God are um, trying to direct me to do. So I have, for example, I have never had any desire ever in my life to write a book. It is like the last thing, not even on my list of things I wanted to do in my life, um, let alone write a book where I expose really personal details about um, some of the most difficult things for me to talk about. But that's what it is for me. It's, um, you know, I just kind of got this ping, like, you need to write this book and you need to do it now and you will do this or you're not going to sleep. Um, so I chose sleep, so I'm writing the book. <laughs> well, I appreciate your gut telling you to come on this podcast because this was a fun time. I, uh, I enjoyed our conversation immensely. Uh, where can folks hey. connect with you online? Where, where can they say hello? Um, the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. I respond to direct messages and comments and I engage. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Jessica Harris. That's uh, J-E-S-Y-K-A period Harris. And I also have a blog. I just changed the name to um, Unboxed Life. I might change it again to Unboxing Life. We'll see. <laughs> um, but you can also find me there. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining. This was a lot of fun and uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your journey. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, and I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. I'm happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianondraco.com, or connect with me, I'm at brianondraco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.